Good morning again, and happy Pentecost. Today we celebrate the bringing of God the Holy Spirit into our lives. And by all rights, this day should be up there with Christmas and Easter in the intensity of our celebration. You see, if Christmas is the bringing of Jesus into humanity, and Easter the return of Christ into humanity, then in a way, Pentecost is the most intimate of God's actions towards us. Pentecost makes God uniquely available to each and every one of us. Pentecost celebrates God in our lives, each and every day, not in some spiritual, immaterial way, but with us in our day-to-day -day realities. Now, sometimes you'll hear the miracle of Pentecost that we just heard from the book of Acts described either as a miracle of speaking or a miracle of hearing. Did the young, uneducated Galilean suddenly acquire the ability to speak Parthian and Egyptian and Latin and Greek and so forth? Or did each of the assembled Jews from across the empire hear their message in their own language? There's support in the reading for both interpretations. But in verse 4, we're told they began to speak in other languages, induced by the tongues of the fiery Holy Spirit. So I'm going to go with the miracle of speaking going to go with that interpretation today. Because if Pentecost is the most intimate of God's acts toward humanity, then speaking a language is the most intimate of acts. It involves reaching in and reorienting your brain, taking your tongue and your way of thinking. If you've ever learned another language, or even tried to, I think you know what I'm talking about. And God the Holy Spirit speaks through the disciples to the assembled Jews in Pentecost. And God continues to speak to us today in the most intimate of ways in our language, with our tongue. I love the description of Holy Spirit in this reading in Acts. Often depicted as a gentle force, he or she's anything but. She's a rush of violent wind that filled the entire house. You see, we're here in the land of straight winds and tornadoes, and I imagine we're all a little familiar with the wind's power when really unleashed. And there's probably nothing more frightening nor more awe-inspiring than the untamed wind. It comes from nowhere, it heads where it wants, and has the power to upend anything in its path. Wind reminds us of God's creation story in Genesis, when the wind from God swept over the face of the waters, inciting the very act of creation itself. Holy Spirit, as urgent wind is powerful imagery. As is Holy Spirit is a tongue of fire, wind and fire. You get the idea that Holy Spirit is not to be messed with, but also that Spirit can do amazing things. If the book of Acts is, as theologian and Bible scholar Willie James Jennings asserts, the story of the Holy Spirit, then Holy Spirit in Acts has a habit of putting the disciples in the strangest, most unexpected circumstances and places. In today's reading, we find Peter, normally inclined to say the wrong thing, filled with rhetorical power all of a sudden, enough to convince over 3,000 converts, we're told later in this reading. I imagine he was probably surprised by his own skills, and so far out of his comfort zone that as he delivered the very first Christian sermon that he wasn't sure what was happening. Later in Acts, we famously find Philip in the middle of nowhere, where he encounters, of all things, a royal eunuch, stumbling through the book of Isaiah, and then he baptizes him. 
When you read the book of Acts, pay attention to the way Holy Spirit puts the disciples in strange, unexpected places. Because it's the way she works, and it's still working today. As I prepared for this sermon, I paid particular attention to Holy Spirit's engagement in my life. Where was she guiding me? What was she calling me to do? And honestly, my first impulse was to dance. That's right, just dance. Now, I consider myself a pretty good dancer, especially for a middle-aged white guy. And it occurred to me that when I really let myself go, and that's what I kind of needed, to let myself go, I transcend my faithful companions of fear and anxiety, and I find joy, true joy. As the pandemic entered its 12th week, and, and division and economic concerns swirl, I really wanted some space for joy. So maybe dancing. And then later in the week, as Peggy, Patty, Jacob, and I visited several parishioners, swirling our dove in front of them, which you just saw, it recalled the visit by the Holy Spirit that we would be doing here this Sunday. We affectionately call our visits dove vibes. I found the joy I was looking for in that. No dancing required. Instead, a deep, satisfying feeling of connection. Holy Spirit definitely showed up there. And then midweek, Mark and I gathered with a few friends, safely, of course, for a small birthday celebration. Our group shared concerns and hopes of return. We re-examined past virus-related scars, and we shared an amazing meal. But most of all, we laughed. I hadn't realized how starved I'd been for laughter. You know, that deep, make your, make your eyes tear up, hold your sides kind of laughter that used to be so much a part of all our times. True joy, Holy Spirit, definitely showed up. Like the disciples, Holy Spirit can sometimes take us to unexpected and uncomfortable places. And this week I found myself also gripped by despair. This time from Minneapolis. The image of yet another African-American man held down by the neck by a white policeman's knee, calling out for his dead mother and rasping, I can't breathe, just before his own cab. Three other policemen standing by. George Floyd was dead before the EMTs arrived. Now to be clear, I, I don't mean this as an indictment of police. I'm so proud that we have a couple of our of police in our own St. Peter's family who are, who are on the front lines and who wear badges. Sarah and Christian and any others watching can't imagine what you go through every day. We are so proud of you. Now, what drove my despair, and where the Holy Spirit most spoke to me, were a couple of social media posts by other members of our beloved family, written by the adopting moms of two African-American boys who are still toddlers right now, and how those moms express deep fears for those beautiful kids' futures. I thought about my own privilege. As a white man in our society, I can go jogging. Ahmed Arbery was killed for jogging. I can feel safe in my home. Breonna Taylor and Botham Jean were both killed in their homes. I can play music a little loud and not expect the police to stop by. If I get pulled over for driving, I'm pretty sure I won't get shot reaching for my paperwork. I have privilege. Today's short gospel reading from John 
Jesus calls out in the temple, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And as I read that, I don't think we realize just how thirsty we may be these days. And then he tells us that out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus is the source, but from us as believers flow the rivers of living water. The image of rivers of living water calls to mind one of Martin Luther King's soaring reminders that he often repeated from the book of Amos. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You see, God's greatest act of intimacy with us, Holy Spirit, is a two-way street. We are called, I believe, to be that river of justice and righteousness in the world. Not to wait for a miraculous restoration from on high, although we know that will come, but to be the work of the kingdom in the world today. We may not know exactly what to do, and I doubt Peter did as he stepped up to preach to the crowd surrounding him 2,000 years ago. But the Holy Spirit showed up, and over 3,000 were converted. The Episcopal Church in general, and St. Peter's in particular, are places that enjoy privilege. A privilege that is easily denied those around us who are of other races and other creeds. I think the time has come for us to use that privilege for justice, for righteousness. We use that privilege for our own Judah and Levi. Those bundles of love and joy we enjoy so much when we are together. So that they may live a safe life. The life we, the rest of us, take for granted. And finally, we do it because we've been quiet too long. You may know that this church, this very church, has a direct line in the civil rights movements of the 1960s. Our very own vicar, Father John Allen, was heavily involved in the movement in Mississippi. And as bishop there, he helped create the Committee of Concern, which was an alliance of ecumenical and civic leaders that helped rebuild more than 100 black churches that had been bombed by white supremacists in the state of Mississippi. And this is a legacy he would continue during his time as presiding bishop. And he was here. And you may be like me, what, what exactly can we do? What's our equivalent of stepping out like Peter in front of the crowd of questioning outsiders? Like, first, we trust the Holy Spirit. We surrender our words, our language, our speech to her. And then we act. I think the single greatest thing we can do is make space for people of color to speak. It's their words, not ours. How can you, how can we give them a platform and make sure that it's safe? I think we recognize the vastness of our privilege and how we can use it to support the cause. How can we help make white spaces safer for them? And, and all spaces are white, aren't they? Pretty much. And then we write, we call. And while all this may feel far from us in Minneapolis or Louisville or Dallas or in Georgia, we know it's only distant because it hasn't been caught here. Systemic racism is just that, system-wide. It's here. Let us serve notice to local, state, and national officials that we're alert, we're watching. Don't just post on Facebook, write a letter, make a phone call, send an email. And finally, we ask ourselves, how else can Holy Spirit use us, use us to erase the sin of systemic racism? I timed this sermon to come in at around 8 minutes and 43 seconds, give or take a few moments. That was the amount of time that George Floyd 
was held down and knee pressing on his neck, time when his life drifted away from him. We mourn his passing this morning, and we can resolve to use our considerable privilege to prevent events like this from happening in the future. Holy Spirit, this Pentecost calls us. And I realize that over the last few nights, the nation has been gripped by riots that have been happening in cities across the country, and, and it may seem dark. It may seem very dark, and I think Peter alludes to that in today's reading when he, when he quotes from the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days it will be that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. That sounds pretty dark. But then he ends up with, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we need not fear. Let's celebrate this Pentecost by being God's work in the world. Doing what Holy Spirit is calling us to do. Let's be a river, a river of that living water that helps bring justice and righteousness. And soon, real soon, we dance and we laugh. And we're together again. Amen.